Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the One Out of One podcast. I'm your host, Stephen, and uh, we got some uh, we got some fun stuff to talk about today. I got you. I got you three evidences to prove that we are living in a clown world today. We we are, you know, you know the vans that that pull up and like all the clowns get out of it. That's our reality right now. Uh, you know the the stupid little magic tricks when like. Uh, magician, quote, makes a car disappear. We're living in an impossible reality that only makes sense in satire and fiction. Like, if you had told me this stuff was going to happen a couple of years ago, I would have thought that you were trying to make a joke. I would have thought that you were trying to exaggerate. Let me give you the first example. A couple of weeks ago, Daily Wire reported, and a lot of other places, but Daily Wire is where I saw it. They reported that some climate change activists went to the White House chanting bull crap about Biden's climate plan. (laughs) Okay, so we've had an entire year, basically, of people coming after uh, the Trump administration, saying that Trump is going to kill everything about uh, the the climate and is going to destroy the world, and now they they, they praised Biden, and now Biden is here, and not not only do they stand outside of the White House and (laughs) chant bullcrap, it's not bullcrap they're saying, but they're they're chanting bullcrap. And they are taking buckets and dumpsters full of actual bullcrap and dumping it on the lawn. <laughs> I, I tried to make it through without laughing. I never would have thought that would have been a real story, but I, we live in a clown world. We live in a clown world where the, the, the climate heroes are all of a sudden the climate villains for doing exactly what they said they were going to do. <laughs> it's absurd. It's absurd. The, 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 uh, I mean, it's part, on a serious note, it's how you know that the, uh, the climate change activists, you know, the ones that think that we're going to, we're all going to die, you, this is how you can tell that they're a cult because no matter what anybody does, if you don't bow to their every single word that exact moment, then you are worthy of being crucified, which is about why they're going after Biden, because Biden doesn't follow their every single word. He did what he said he was going to do. But, I mean, I feel really bad for all of the guards outside who have to sit there and smell that for days on end and just think, you know, I voted for this guy. You see, that's absurd to me. It's so, and you know, I, I won't say that they're all Democrats. They're probably not. They're probably some good Republicans there. But it's it's just so humorous to me how the tables got flipped. You want another another area where the tables are flipped? For a long time, uh, the left has been pointing fingers at the right and saying that we are transphobic, we are homophobic, and uh. 
we are racist and all of these other slurs just going on and on and on and on and on. California Governor Gavin Newsom is in danger of a recall. You know, the guy who's been a California governor, he's made some really stupid mistakes. Californians are getting fed up and there's millions of signatures now of people who want to recall Gavin Newsom and replace him with someone else. You know what the really crazy part is? Those racist, bigoted, uh, sexist, and transphobic Republicans are supporting Caitlyn Jenner! Bruce Jenner turned Caitlyn Jenner. Surgeries and everything, name change and all. The darling of the left won Woman of the Year Award is now the right's best chance at retaking California and it's likely it's gonna happen we live in a backwards world Caitlyn Jenner could become the Republican governor of California you I gear okay we never thought that it was even possible for anybody to be a Republican governor of California after the way that the left was fawning, we were curious to see uh, what Caitlyn Jenner, formerly Bruce Jenner, uh, was going was going to decide politically. And we're even more shocked that this transgender is going to be voted in by all of these, well, could be voted in by all of these, quote, bigoted, transphobic Republicans. This is the most backwards world ever. And if you want to know something else, Billie Eilish, one of the most iconic, uh, one of the most iconic uh, celebrities of my generation right now. So she's, she's done a lot of really popular songs. You might know her as the Whispering Girl. She whispers in all of her songs. Uh, I think her songs were uh, Death of a Friend, which is my favorite, I'll give her credit for this, that's my favorite modern song, and uh, Bad Guy are the most popular ones. She did an interview on, uh, let me uh, check to see which one it was, uh, this group called Pitchfork. She did an interview with this group called Pitchfork. The first one minute, she goes, she jumps back and forth about how she thinks that babies like her so much because they see her as one of them. They see her and they're like, oh, look at that big baby over there. And then she holds up her little charm bracelet and is like, yeah, and they like to suck on these, which, you know, I do too because, you know, I just, I love sucking on hard metal. Yes. Take the innuendos wherever you want. And she continues to go on. It's like, I love to suck on just, you know, anything metallic. I, I like to lick pennies and uh, other things like that. Or like these charm bracelets. You know, you like, the, I like the taste of blood. And if that at first knocked me on my feet. It's like, okay, so we're probably talking an iron deficiency. And she goes, 
And um, we're pretty sure I've got an iron deficiency. My mom gives me iron pills. She's in the corner nodding her head. Yes, it's like, oh, wow. Okay. This, this is a very exciting interview already. It got worse. She then goes on a one-minute talk of how much she loves pooping. Not just that it's satisfying to have a good poop and to get it out of your system and to, you know, feel lighter and feel better, but how it's her favorite part of the day. And she goes into detail about the types of poops that are the good poops and how satisfactory they are and how amazing that feeling is. One minute. That could have been a passing 10-second quote right there. She could have just said... Yeah, you know, I mean, like, you you know when you have... I had a guy at work tell me this. Uh, He asked me to fill in for him for a moment while he went to the restroom. He comes back a couple minutes later, and he's like, You know those moments when you have an absolutely life-changing dump? And I just looked at him and was like, Yeah. And he just kind of nodded his head and says, I think I can work the rest of the day now. And he just, he trucks on faster than he was the rest of the the first part of the day. That could have been the entire conversation, but it's an entire minute of how pooping is her favorite part of the day. This is our world. And we're living in it. Okay, another thing I want to do real quick. I, I want to do a more serious topic before we head into the devotional. Because it's something that really irritates me. We've heard a lot in the news lately about Israel and Palestine, quote, Palestine, and about how they're warring against each other. And if you notice, the news networks and the celebrities and the comedians, you know, unless they're not allowed on YouTube, those comedians are on the right, but all of these very popular and prominent people are saying that Israel is the attacker and that it's unfair to Palestine because Israel's defenses are so much more superior. Like the big one that I keep hearing over and over and over and like even though it's old news at this point, I'm still hearing new people talk about it, about how it's not fair to Palestine because Israel has an iron dome and, you know, Palestine doesn't have an iron dome. I got a question for you. Is self-defense ever supposed to be fair? Now, I know that some of you are also watch my YouTube channel, and if you've seen my YouTube channel, this is the same thing you can uh you can uh, skip a for- skip uh forward a little bit to the devotional segment if you want. But for those of you who haven't heard yet, is self-defense ever supposed to be a fair fight? Let me put it to you this way. You've got a little bitty 90-pound girl who's walking around probably a little late at night for her. She's she stayed somewhere later than she wanted to, and she's just trying to get back to her car. And this big old 220-pound guy approaches her. Is that a fair fight? No. Is the woman the aggressor? No. And nobody would argue that. Nobody, period, would argue that. Now let's do this. 
Same people, same scenario, except 90-pound girl now has a gun and is pointing it at the 220-pound man that approached her. Is the woman the aggressor? No. Is the fight fair? No. And it shouldn't be. Because you disarm that woman, you take that gun out of her hands, you put anything in her hands. You put a knife, uh, you put a taser, you put pepper spray, you put anything else other than a gun in her hands. And it's an unfair fight in favor of the man. The point of self-defense is not to make the fight equal. When you have an equal fight, you come away with a lot of injuries, or if it's in a militarized self-defense, a lot of people, innocent people who are uninvolved in the combat, die. Self-defense is not supposed to be fair. There's a There, there was an Israeli military leader who said, uh, he saw on Twitter that uh, someone was bringing up this exact question about... Uh, how it's fair that Palestine doesn't have an Iron Dome. And he says, they do have an Iron Dome. It's called, don't fire rockets at us, and we won't fire rockets at you. That's genius. It's, it's a genius response. Because, it, I mean, that's a deterrent right there. That is, hey, you don't want to get bombed. You don't want to get missiles thrown at you. Don't throw missiles at us, and we won't throw missiles at you. You can't disregard uh, how things started. And it doesn't matter at that point if the fight is fair or not. Because the goal is not to have a fair fight. The goal is to have no fight at all. And this is, this is what's really frustrating with me. I think that we've got a good half of the country that is too eager to side against Israel. For whatever reason, I don't know. And I honestly don't care. I don't care what your reasons are for siding with, quote, Palestinians. We know it's Hamas that's running the strings here because they kill Palestinians when they fire these rockets at Israel. Now, I haven't verified it yet, but I, I heard someone say that uh, more Palestinians have been killed by Hamas than by Israel. Now, if any of you want to research that and let me know... Um, I can issue a correction if I'm incorrect, or I can give you a shout out for uh, for verifying it. But either way, you have to look at where the fight started. The reason the fight starts is the important point, and the way that it ends is the important point. I believe at this point a ceasefire has been called, which is fine. And guess what? If Israel is the aggressor, there is no ceasefire. If Israel wanted to blow up the Gaza Strip, they would have done it a long time ago. Israel has the capacity to wipe out anyone whose name even rhymes with Palestine. And instead, there's a ceasefire. I know, Atomic. Atomic is in his kennel because he's really antsy, but you know, he heard me say that right there and he just kind of he just kind of groans. I'm like, yeah, I know, buddy. I know, I know. It's stupid. If the fight is fair, it's not self-defense. I used to teach a martial arts class with my dad, and I might again. Um, 
And when we teach self-defense tactics, we are not teaching you something that makes the fight equal. We are teaching you something that stops the fight. So, for example, um, when we when we teach you how to uh, escape a hold that somebody has on you, like if they reach forward and they grab uh, they grab you by uh, the torso and they you know they grab your shirt and they're pulling you to them. We're not teaching you something that makes that fight equal. If we were doing that, we would just tell you to put your hands on their chest and push back. And even then, the fight will probably not be equal anyways. What we teach you to do is how to put that person on the ground and put them in a joint lock that prevents them from being able to move or else their arm gets broken. Because the aggressor won't back down until they realize that they've got something to lose. You have to show them that there is something to lose. Otherwise, it's not self-defense. It's just fighting. And if you want to fight, fine, go ahead and fight. Fight away. But if you want to talk about self-defense, you never want the scales to be equaled. That's why I never recommend any type of hitting weapon for a woman. I don't want you to carry a hitting weapon. I want you to carry a killing weapon. Because you pick out any random man and any random woman, and that random man is probably about, I would guess, 98% of the time going to be significantly stronger than that woman. It's just a fact of life. So I don't want it to be a fair fight. I want that woman to put that man in his place and to say, Hey, this is not happening. You're not going to do anything to me. Back down now, or you will suffer. So I don't recommend, you know, those little, uh, the, those little keychain rings. Uh, it looks like they got the, like the two finger holes and those two little prongs sticking off of it. Horrible self-defense weapon. Never use those. If you have one, throw it away right now. You should never, women, you should never be in a fist fight with a man. The man will win. You need to either carry a weapon or you need to become really proficient in a martial art that gives you the ability to overpower, not overpower, to outmaneuver a stronger man. And if we hold that standard for women, I gotta ask you this, why don't we hold that standard for nations? Why are we so ready to throw ourselves at the feet of the aggressor Palestine, or should I be, I should be more specific, the aggressor Hamas, and why should we hinder the ones defending Israel? And I'll ask you another question. Turn it towards law enforcement. Why should we hinder the protectors, police officer with a gun, in favor of the aggressor, 16-year-old girl in the act of stabbing someone else? You're not protecting someone if you're having a fair fight. And I could go on about it, and I, I don't want to ramble on anymore, so we're just going to leave it with this basic, basic point that I've said over and over. Self-defense should never be fair.
Self-defense should always, always be a one-sided victory for the person on defense. See you in just a moment for our devotional. Now we're going to continue our move into 2 Peter. And uh, usually I kind of jump around a little bit on these devotionals, but for the next three episodes, I want to do them all in order. We're going to go through each one of these because I've found myself that the most encouragement and the most, I would say, applicable stuff that I've read recently for our modern time in uh, the United States in 2021, I have found in Second Peter. And so one of the things I want to touch on real quick, I, I want to share with you the thing that really brought me the most encouragement. You know, I've got a, I've got a very difficult time with the feeling of uselessness. Um, people who know me well know that um, I have a deep desire for kids ministry. And though I've tried, though I've prepared myself, and though I've gone out of my way uh, to try to get myself the learning I need, and people recognize my passion, my desire. God has not opened that door yet. For whatever reason, I don't know. I don't know if it's because I, I've got something to learn or if it's just because I'm built for something similar to, but not exact. But with that comes a feeling of uselessness. At this point, I'm a couple of years from, and I, I know this is, this is a petty uh, Americanized problem. Uh, people who are scraping by for nothing usually don't have this problem because their whole energy is focused on getting by. So I, I know that this is a American-privileged, not white-privileged, American-privileged problem to have of feeling like you're not being used the way that you're supposed to be used. However, I read in... Second Peter chapter 1, a very encouraging passage, and I wanted to share this with you. So, Peter has just given his, uh, his second greeting. Uh, he's, he's wished grace upon uh, those that he's writing to. And he just talked about uh, God granting these uh, precious and magnificent promises so that by them we can become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. After that, he jumps into this passage right here. I'm going to pick up in verse 5 of first of a, sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll come back to verse 9 in a minute because I do want to touch up on the negative part that he brings up in a minute. Because 
Second Peter it has a lot of negative parts to it. There's a lot of talk of false prophets and those who are unfaithful. But I wanted to start here because if you're like me, a how-to list is probably one of the most helpful things that you'll ever find. I mean, that's, there's a reason why how-tos are one of the most searched things on Google and on YouTube. Uh, you find a how-to channel and uh, holy cow, they got more sus subscribers than you'll ever see in your life. Here I would say that God has given, through Peter, a how-to in being effective for his name. And it may not be effective in the way that we want. But still, he gives a promise that we will be useful in this way. So the first part is applying all diligence. Being very purposeful. I mean, this could be just like uh, doing your research on uh, something about the Bible that you didn't, you, you want to learn more about, or uh, about some particular form of ministry, like proving that you're here for it, being diligent. That is the first step. The next part is supply moral excellence. Through your diligence, you find what is morally excellent. Through your moral excellence, you come to knowledge. When you have moral excellence, you are much better able to sift your way through all of the information that's out there. We live in the information age. Uh, Information is available in a heartbeat, and of course, we live in the age of the phenomenon of fake news. Stories that are not based in reality or twist little pieces here and there. Uh, there's another word for that. It's called propaganda. Ask China about that one. When you have good moral character, it's significantly easier to sift through the lies to find the truth. And that's why it, knowledge follows behind moral excellence, at least to the best of my understanding. And in your knowledge, self-control. When you have the proper knowledge of a situation, you are less likely to do something rash and something inappropriate. That's why I, anytime that there's any kind of big story in the news, before like the political questions start to come up, I always say, okay, let's wait until we start to learn things. Let's wait until we start to figure things out, and then we can go from there. That's not really the norm these days. The norm these days is to immediately jump on uh, the bandwagon. Uh, the police are racist, the Democrats are communists, and so on and so forth, or they're lizard people, which I think is hysterical. And in your self-control, perseverance. If you're able to control your impulses, you're much more likely to stick through it to the end. And you're more likely to stick around through the difficult times. I think I mentioned this last week, or the last time that I did this. But in the book, The, uh, the Heavenly Man, which is an account from a uh, Chinese pastor, he would tell these stories. I did talk about this last time, but I'll mention it again. Uh, 
he would talk about these times when, you know, these husband and wife couples, they come to the Lord, and the husband gets, uh, gets arrested, and when you're a Chinaman who is a Christian, and you get arrested by the Chinese government, you're not coming out for a very long time. And so what started to happen was this phenomenon where these Christian families would hear that their spouse was arrested, and they'd stand up and they'd say, I divorced this person. And then they would go get remarried and live their lives with someone else. Those who have built up to this point the self-control will build up the perseverance to stick through those instances. This particular pastor, his wife built up the perseverance, and he was arrested so many times that they barely had any part of a marriage together. Yet still she stuck with him. That, and as you'll see right here, at this next part, in your perseverance, godliness. She developed a godly attitude because of her perseverance. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. What are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Loving God comes first for a reason, because it is through our love for God that we love others. And in your brotherly kindness, love. And what does the Bible say about love? These three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. It's easy to get discouraged. But there is a simple answer. And it does come down to the two commands that sum up all the others. If we do seek God with diligence and let him change us, if we love him with everything that we are, he makes us in his image to where we reflect him. We're already in his image, but he makes our character reflect his and brings us to love those around us. So don't be discouraged. Start with diligence. Start with diligently reading the Word of God. And it's hard to do all the time. We've got a lot of distractions in America. But keep it going. Stand firm in your knowledge. Be self-controlled. Persevere. And let that godly spirit that he's giving you bring you to love him and his creation more. That's all I got for you guys today. 
Thank you very much, and we'll see you all later.